I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and as usual I'm joined by me old buddy, me old pal. It's at Pretty It's Andy Davies. What's going on Andy? Hey Steve, how are you? Uh, I don't know, look, we're trying to get a high energy and we're coming on and we're listening to house music and we're dancing around with our tops off. Uh, but Andy, this is a tricky one, right? Because it's not officially over according to... Um, you know, all the dreamers out there, but let's face it, by the time you listen to this podcast, depending on where you're based, uh, the Falcons have likely trounced the books in embarrassing fashion. Hopefully not too embarrassing because I have one game left in my fantasy. I'm in the playoffs and the other dude has Matty Einst. But hopefully um, they don't go too mental. But I think it's a foregone conclusion. Andy, are you in mourning? Have you accepted it? Uh, because you famously don't do too well um, after we after we get turfed out or suffer a bad loss. Is this one of those times? Did you call in sick to work today? <laughs> yeah, I'm a bad loser. No, I've got a CD on Steve and the uh, fat lady is definitely singing. <laughs> sure. um, yeah, no, I, no, I'm okay. I, I was very accepted in the situation. I think, um, I think in previous years when we've played the likes of uh, Arizona, which brings to mind Philadelphia, fourth and twenty-six. Mm. Uh, Seattle game obviously that I'm still hurting from um, there's a genuine belief there that we could have done something special in those sort of years you know we could have gone on to, to win the whole thing in this year I, I'm not thinking that based on the performance of the last few weeks and particularly Sunday evening um, we were we're well short aren't we of the elite teams in the NFL this year so I think we were just prolonging the pain at some point so no I'm, I'm okay how about you? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of accepted it. And I was trying to look back and, and see when I accepted it. Do you know? Geez, this sounds like a real support yeah. group sort of stuff, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know <laughs> when it settled on me. Um, I was trying to go back and and, and sort of look at, at when. And I don't know. If you go back into the podcast, you probably hear my excitement at Brett Hundley. You know, after all, Andy, he's the preseason MVP. So I was excited about that and thinking that maybe we can we can hold this and it'll be fine. I don't know. I I think in other years we would have been okay-ish, you know. But the Vikings making the strong run with their third-string quarterback, Case Keenum, uh, you know, famous journeyman. I don't know. It's just it, it wasn't for us. And even the Bears can get a, you know, even a broken clock is right two times a day. Like, you know, the Bears had notch up a strange win. They bet the Steelers earlier in the season. So that was weird. And then the Lions are still in it now. And obviously... I don't know. I, and I don't know when I accepted it. I knew when Rodgers went down. I was like, yeah, let's see what we can do. But I wasn't overly like, yeah, let's do it. And I've been saying it for weeks now is that, look, I know people wanted us to get to the playoffs and we're pack our fans till we die and all this type of, you know, over dramatic stuff. But how far could we have got had we got to the playoffs? Our defense is still our defense. It's been our defense now for the last number of years. We tend to show up sometimes in the big games like the NFC Championship game and had we just put our foot against our neck, uh, we could have finished that game out. But I think that's the that's the pinnacle of this defense now is, you know, once-off big games or once-off big series of plays, you know, like Clay Matthews maybe puts together a great game and Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels are doing it consistently. But, you know, Demarius Randall is making making an improvement but I don't know it's just too messy and the last couple of weeks I just kind of resigned to it all and coming into this game because it's not annoying Andy so so like this game the Panthers game we were leading in this game 
did it ever seem to you that we were going to get the W? Or did you always think it's going to go wrong eventually in this game and you're okay with it? Well, I always thought we'd have to score more than 30 points to win the game. That's mm-hmm. how bad this defense is, isn't it, collectively? So if you if you sort of wrap up all the big games over the last sort of four or five years, the average collective points by our opponents is around the 33 mark, mm. which you're not going to win titles with with defense of that caliber. I think part of the acceptance for me comes from that. Hopefully, the the powers that be see how bad the the, the stats are on our defense. Uh, and there's there's no getting away from the fact we're 32nd in the league in many of the major categories, and that's just not good enough. And hopefully, that's uh, the tipping point for, for Mr. Murphy to make some changes from the top down. Uh, and until we do that, I don't think we're going to ever have a, have a, a sort of championship calibre defence. Uh, and there is some bright sparks in amongst that. And we've talked about it to death, haven't we? Um, in terms of uh, are there square pegs in round holes? Is it is it scheme or is it... But regardless of all that, and that's a, probably a conversation for a different day, things need change. Uh, and while Dom Capers is coaching this defence, it's not going to be that way. We saw it again. The same old f- fragility was you know, there on Sunday for all to see. Um, and so to, to score sort of 30 plus points every single game to try and win out is it, tough and it puts pressure on the offense it puts pressure on the QB and, and, and that's where you see mistakes start to sort of come in um, I think what, I think the frustrating thing for me was it, it, it panned out as we called it I told you that Avon would come out winging it Mike McCarthy wouldn't be able to help himself and we threw the ball 45 times and we ran the ball 13 times yeah okay I get it that we were behind for most of the second half but actually we we committed to the pass a, a long time before that even though the fact that we were holding a four point lead at the half which is bizarre for me and the way you know Williams has run the ball over the last few weeks and the way that Jones was running the ball on Sunday night well, I think we missed an opportunity there to sort of dominate the game to be honest yeah Aaron Jones three carries 47 yards along of 23 uh, sick and Jamal Williams 10 carries for 30 yards you know, which is three yard per carry average. You know, Aaron Jones was getting purchased. Even Aaron Rodgers himself was very aggressive, right? So he came out and was more aggressive than we all wanted him to be. And then when K1 short landed on him, Aaron Rodgers got up and I don't know, in kind of dramatic fashion, kept trying to rub off his his neck. And you sort of, you know, every time he did, I was like, Aaron, stop. Can you please? You know, it's like when you hit your foot against the table, it doesn't hurt that much, but you still say, ow, just because you want people to know that it happened. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, all right, pal, just calm down there. So yeah, it's look. It's annoying in that regard, but when it comes down to that, when it comes down to Dom Capers, so I see a couple of people out there. There's actually a petition floating around online about fire Dom Capers, and there's some, you know, pretty prominent people trying to sign this thing. That's a bad idea because it's only you know you don't go head hunting for someone's job and to put a no, put something out like that. It's just tasteless to to begin with. But I think there no. will be a change. And Andy, why I think there will be a change, and it's as simple as this for me. I think Mark Murphy is probably happy enough. Um, with the with the stat lines and all the rest. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but because if you look at it this way, so there was two blown, massively blown coverages there, right? There was one, um, McCaffrey just runs in completely unaided uh, or unchallenged, uh, even though Matthews was calling out the play and Cam Newton had that exchange, didn't he? Turn around and said, oh, <laughs> you've been... Yeah, it, it's not unbelievable. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is the wheel route, this is the wheel route, the wheel route showing it was the one that they always do. And Cam Newton goes, oh, you've been watching yeah. tape, haven't you? Well, watch this. And then they went and murdered us for that one. And then the second one was Olsen. So Josh Jones beat on the play. And Olsen just walks in. Now, before this game, 
Um, I think he had something like four catches for 38 yards, and he looked like an absolute superstar last night. So there's there's busted coverages and all the rest. We don't prepare. We don't prepare, Steve. That's the problem I have with, with the coaching, is we mm-hmm. do not prepare. So they have... Funchess was a legitimate weapon, but was pretty much beat up. So in all intents and purposes, Carolina had two offensive weapons, McCaffrey and Olsen, who has obviously come off the injury list. And we can't defend them. We do not know how to take away a team's primary asset. And you look at all the sort of snap penalties that we had, the confused bus coverages that we have, that is a sign of an un team and I'm sorry that is the, the benchmark of what you're looking for in NFL and we just do not look a prepared well coached team uh, and it's not personal it's nothing against you know don't care is it's just um, that is, those are the facts we are bottom ranked defense in the NFL we are unprepared and we cannot get off the field on third downs the, the, the figures are mind-blowing and you're just taking the time away from A-Rod and, and the offense and longer term it just can't continue it just can't continue and so I'm, I'm I'm redoing my list to Santa uh, and uh, a new defensive coordinator uh, is second on the list after GM. Um, but it's definitely going out that night. First class post to Rudolph Land. Yeah, well, happy days. Um, so, but, but that, that's the thing really, isn't it? It's an antiquated system. It, there's communication breakdowns. But, totally. You know, and, and the thing is, as a whole, it's a, it's a bad performance. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was rusty. At, whether it's a strength thing, it's a rust thing. It looked like a strength thing. It looked like Aaron Rodgers, the, the one that we're, we know and love, could easily have made those throws. Now, people say it's because he's being blitzed. Now, the stats are he was blitzed for 60% of all plays. They were bringing a five-man blitz. And all of his interceptions happened on those blitzes. But on those interceptions, you know, there was to, to one to Randall Cobb, for instance, was a definite touchdown. They'd blown that coverage big time. And as well as that, when they commit so many men to the blitz, you know, strange stuff starts to happen. Now, you can benefit on the back, you know, in the secondary, but sometimes it, it goes to pot. And that's what happened with them. He could have threaded that ball to Randall Cobb and he could have strolled in and backflipped into the end zone for a touchdown. It didn't happen. Now, he was on the back foot and, you know, he was impeded and all the rest of that. But in the same game, we saw Aaron Rodgers make a completion to Randall Cobb while he was falling to the ground. And that's vintage Aaron Rodgers. But to my point about, you know, Dom Capers and Mark Murphy, I think Mark Murphy could easily sit down and say two blown coverages. It was a communication issue. Um, So that's that's those. Um, You know, Clinton Dix was in a position to make a play on that. You know, I've, and again, to talk about arse cheeks so much with a touchdown, like I know people say, oh, I just did it by the skin of my arse. I mean, Bird can literally say that in that touchdown that he got it by the skin of his arse, but I digress. He's like, yeah, <laughs> uh, not a queen back in the day when he's, I never forget, he scored a goal with his arse for Man City. But anyway, um, so you know where you do that? What's this, the perfect uh, game where you score with your head, your left foot, and your right foot? If you add your arse to that, it's a, I don't know what they call it, right? So. You know, you can look at that, Andy, and then you can, if you got those plays back, we'd be in a certain position. Then you look at Aaron Rodgers' intercept, Aaron Rodgers' interceptions, and, you know, they were underthrown balls. Had he made the pass, you know, we would have had touchdowns, and we were leading the game at the half, and you're looking at a convincing Packers win. So Mark Murphy could look at all of that and say to himself, look, it comes down to players and plays and not coaching to that degree. However, when you don't make the playoffs, and your staff that work for you don't get the playoff bonuses. That's going to you know impact them. It's going to impact you. You're not going to get the money um, and the, the ticket sales for going into the playoffs. 
and all the other financial benefits that come from that. And I think that's going to be the breaking point. And that's going to be the point where he turns around and says, lads, we're making a change. It's as simple as that. You know, I think this is a financial thing more so than looking to see how bad we are in stats. Because by that reckoning, do you think like Dom Capers surely should have went last season to stop the rot, but they stayed with him anyway, simply because like how how much further could we have gone yes the super bowl but were we going to get there probably not so we almost overachieved last season in spite of a bad defense do you not think there's a little bit of that there's also a little bit of me thinks that the alternatives that are out there particularly last year weren't great yeah um so i do think that there was a level of comfort with with capers and i think that they by adding potentially what they thought were a couple of pieces that would have been enough to paper over the cracks when it's it's clearly not been so we invested in the draft. We invested, you know, to bring a couple of sort of fringe players and I would describe as it. And they just not worked out. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know that this off season, there's a, there's a whole host of um, potential candidates, but we just need to change direction. I'm almost certain that we'll, we'll sort of move to the 4-3 based on the players that we've got on the roster that are of a high enough calibre. I mean, Mount sort of night um, Perry and Matthews combined for four assists in a what was for us really a playoff game that's going to win you you know that's many games is it from your two premium pass rushes that's just not good enough um, and there's a little bit of injury in that I understand that but it's also the scheme isn't it you know it specifically rushed Matthews from the edge and we all know that he's he's not the same player from the edge anymore. You know, Matthews brings disruption when he's he's moved about and brought from various spots along the defensive alignment, and it just doesn't happen in our defense anymore. We need to be more creative. It needs to be better prepared, and we need to have a better scheme. Uh, and it starts at the top. Um, you, you talked about the sort of um, the bum gate play. Um, I think I thought Clinton Dix was working for NFL Films on that play because he was just stood there watching, <laughs> taking a good shot of it, you know. So I think that's where his uh, future lies. But you, you know, you, you chortle and laugh alone, but I just find it it's it's not acceptable. Yeah. You know, we've, we've I probably sound like a broken record, and it's not meant to be personal. But as a safety, the, the anticipation of, the, of that ball coming should have, at the very least, been sort of you know a pass defense and batted away. Um, I would expect a premium player who's uh, sledging for pro ball votes to make the pick uh, and then if all that fails then certainly sort of Layson would so the guy making the, the the sort of bobble catch would lose control of the ball we did none of those three things and then you know watched in horror as the replay official overturned the uh, initial ruling it's just mind-boggling isn't it it's just not that level of commitment there or anticipation that you look for in a premium player and it's indicative of our entire defense minus probably three or four bright spots and that's the worry for me is that we've got a whole lot of holes to fill uh, and you've seen teams do it quickly like the Rams this year you can turn it around with a whole new, new fresh approach clean way of thinking mm. um, and that's what I would like to see in Green Bay that's the only way I can see us getting to the, to the promised land you know over the next couple of years uh, another year of this is uh, is not on the menu for me yeah and look it's normal human nature because any job like you know when you start your new job and someone's like oh how long is break and they're like oh no it's 15 minutes and and what about lunch well it's an hour blah 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 and you take that and then four years into the job you've got your feet up on the desk you know your business casual has turned to jeans and dirty <laughs> runners and you know it's kind of like yeah, uh, yeah, you're meant to be true. back two Very hours true. ago and you're like make me <laughs> I'm not saying that's what me and you subscribe to, but it is that, Andy. Is it not just stagnant anyway? But you have that historical bank balance, don't you? So it, it, it's very much so in the case of Clinton Dix. Two years ago, you would you would say that he was probably virgin on Pro Bowl level, wasn't he? You know, some of his play 
and and so because of two years ago, the current coordinator stands by him. For me, it would have been benched six weeks ago based on the play. Now, whether that's schematic or whether that's direction or whether that's what he's been asked to do, we'll never know the answer to that. But certainly from a production standpoint, it's not there, is it? It's it's simply not there in terms of tackles. It's certainly not there in terms of pass defence. It's certainly not there in terms of interceptions, turnovers. So I I just don't understand. I don't understand that it's it's crazy. And your point's a really good one. I think it needs needs a freshness around there, some, um, you know, uh, a bit more vision in terms of play now, not just what you did two years ago. Yeah, because, you know, it's isn't it? It's Johnny come lately kind of league and it, it's Absolutely. what you've done for me now. Is. And yeah. when you look at it, Andy, I mean, there's a few fans out there that only remember his capers that they, you know, they don't have any knowledge whatsoever of, of what went before. And the last time that a coaching change was made was back in 2009 when they got capers. So Bob Sanders was sacked and that was the year that the Packers didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, maybe that's a marker, but McCarthy did come out before the season and everyone was shocked when Teflon Don made it again. And they said, he said, you know, I'll stick with him for another year and let's see if he can turn this thing around, which was, I don't know, you can kind of say understandable because of the amount of injuries that we had back then. Uh, but he's certainly not shown it now because when you look down individually, you know, some of the grades that we have in our defense, Kenny Clark, 12th, Mike Daniels, 15th to the position. Clay Matthews, 26th, has somewhat of a resurgence. Uh, Blake Martinez, who's everywhere. Morgan Burnett's doing well. Um, you know, Demarius Randall has been trying to, you know, he has improved as much as it pains me to say he has improved because I just think that his attitude stank at one point in time and he was guilty of that whole running away from the player as well. Uh, you know, there's, there's some some parts in the in the defense here that, you know, we could really put it together, but... um. There's some pieces in place, isn't there? There's some yeah. pieces in place, absolutely. But I, I would argue that we have more pieces out of place, which is the point for me, is that we don't have athletic linebackers. We don't have people who can cover running backs. So McCaffrey, see McCaffrey last night, you know, running wild. And I think Martinez does a sterling job, and I think he did a, you know, a heck of an effort last night again. But he's not your prototypical cover linebacker. Um, from the outside, the, the blitz package is, is weak. I would suggest that we lack depth. So we, we could do with two or three athletic linebackers in the backfield. We probably lack height and athleticism. Um, we lack two defensive ends who can apply pressure and collapse the pocket. So we've got an awful lot of pieces of the puzzle missing. Um, and I think you'll see it turn into a 4-3 defense next year. Not for sure. Yeah. And like it's like what happens in the Premier League. You know, they sack the, the loser manager and they get some other, they get big, let's just face it, they get big Sammy, right? And then all of a sudden they look like world beaters. So, you yeah, know, totally. you try to impress on their new manager. That's just how it goes. So there will be that sort of honeymoon effect when Capers leaves, because I think it's only a matter of when now. I think he knows his time is done. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we're saying that from an you know analytics point of view and not like, oh, sign this petition or, you know, funny memes. No, no, absolutely not. No, I think he's, he's you know, for those that remember, he was when he was at Carolina in the, in the sort of mid 90s. He really was uh, sort of master of defense, wasn't he? It was it was groundbreaking and it was innovative for the time. But even when we played the championship game, he came to Green Bay and Carolina took an early lead. It didn't take Brett Favre and Mike Holmgren long to figure out the weak spot of the defense. You know whether it was running backs out of the backfield. Um, you know it was almost fast forward twenty years and you saw it last night. It's it's too predictable. You know teams from week to week in the NFL scheme to, you know, you talked about Cam Newton saying you've been watching tape and you know this, and they changed that route up and it was an in-cut as opposed to a wheel route. Yeah. Now they changed that just in one week. 
we don't change. It's been 20 years. What's the, so it's not difficult to scheme for. Teams know how to how to beat us. You know, to get off the field on third down for us relies on an incompletion or some sort of penalty. You know, you saw it again last night. The only time we got off the field were when they dropped passes. It wasn't because we forced, you know, uh, uh, an incompletion or we forced a three and out. It was just down to their errors. And the reason why we've beaten the likes of Tampa Bay and Cleveland over the last couple of weeks is they made more errors than Carolina did last night. That's ultimately the, the answer. And it was, it's funny as well because Rob Domofsky points out that even though they changed it from a wheel route, uh, to that slant inside for a seven-yard touchdown. <laughs> the, the, the wheel route was open as well. He said that they didn't even yeah, cover yeah, it, so matches have been calling it out. No. Cam Newton had said, oh, you've no. been watching tape, haven't you? And then both plays were open for him, which is just... But just that's mad. a zombie-like look that we seem to show, isn't it? The players look like they're caught in some sort of cocoon where they, they're, they're sort of immune to communication and sort of... It's just bizarre. It's just... It is really bizarre. It's like no one takes responsibility that's probably the key thing, isn't it? We don't have that leader on the defence that's going to be vocal and, and take charge and, and sort of boss people about and, and and boss your team about as well a little bit. You know, you, you like what Mike Daniels does. You like what Kenny Clark does. I've loved what Blake Martinez has done this year. But after that, there's, there's not a lot, is there? We need a lot more from a defensive point of view. Well, I'll tell you what, when I was younger, um, you know, everyone was wrong. They couldn't do stuff right. And I had such a such a clear vision of what I wanted to do, even if it was just buying a Mars bar. That was what I wanted to do. And you'll never see, like, as you get younger and younger, like, I remember doing the recycling once, and I went down and put my stuff in the plastic baskets, and I went down, and I had all of the baskets laid out, and I was standing beside the recycling buckets or whatever, throwing the stuff in. This young lad, about maybe four years of age, comes in with a bit of plastic or a tin can or whatever he had. He came right up to me, looked me dead in the eye, and popped it into my bucket for me to do it. You know, and he just looked at me with the assurance of, that's where that goes, and looked at me dead in the eye, Andy, right in the retina, and just walked away. <laughs> but that's the thing, is that it's that conviction. Now, I'm saying that, uh, you know, and I'm not that old, um, and I just, you kind of, you get a bit wary with age, a bit more empathetic, and a bit more laid back. Like, what age is Tom Capers? You know, I think you need, and that's not being ageist or around like that, but I think that, you know, when you've done something for such a long time, and you're at a certain age, you just naturally, as a human, mellow out slightly. Um, and I think, now that said, I mean, my granddad was some fierce age and he'd never let up. But I'm just saying, like, maybe you need someone younger, fresher, who's going to kick some butts, get in there and start hollering at people. I don't have the energy of that four-year-old and that conviction in my life. Uh, you know, I, I'm physically not able for it. I know why having kids is a young person's game. So when you're a coach and you get a bit on, well then, you know, surely you need someone with a bit of pep, a bit of spunk, who's going to get in and just start hollering at people. And maybe that might create that culture because I wouldn't mind a a, a culture of aggressiveness uh, to this Packers defense. And that's something that Mike Daniels obviously wants. That's something that he's tutoring and Kenny Clark. Um, very much so, yeah, very much so. I think it's part of it as well is, is protecting Dom Capers' legacy. So for all that the Packers defense has, has been the nemesis for sort of three or four years now, when you look over the span of time, though, he, he's been a really you know terrific coach in the NFL, mm. and it would be a shame, if, from my point of view, that if it's tarnished by the by the last sort of three or four years of of the Packers defense being so inept. Yeah, and look, you can do it into a late age. We've seen the likes of Wade Phillips uh, with the Rams; uh, he's still doing the job. 
Um, but I think there's an awful lot more pieces there, an awful lot more youth around them. Um, so look, I don't know. But talking of aggressiveness, we can't go any further into the podcast uh, without talking about the Thomas Davis hit. And to do it, the only way that we can lead into it is with this theme music. Clown of the Week. So it's back. Clown of the Week. This guy is a, just a complete clown. Andy, is there any doubt in your mind that this wasn't headhunting and this wasn't a dirty hit? Not one ounce. Absolute disgrace. Absolute disgrace. Um, and for it to happen twice to Devante Adams in one season is um, is disappointing as well, isn't it? Uh, he's been given a two-game ban, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, no doubt he'll appeal it with some legal jargon. And that, for me, is just a joke. Yeah. I, w- I would imagine that Devante is going to be out this week possibly for the season based on the fact he's had three concussions now over the last sort of 12 months um, mm. there needs to be some sort of rule change there isn't there in terms of the the in direct correlation between the length of ban for the for the guy that's laid the, the the legal hit and for the guy that's you know sitting on the sidelines with a concussion it's just not right is it it's just um, it was it was pretty sickening to watch I don't know about you but certainly the uh, in real time, it was sickening, and also watching the slow motion replays, um, undefensible, um, absolute disgrace. Yeah. And the fact that there's other NFL players who've come out and tried to justify it makes it all the worse, really. Yeah, there's, but that's the thing. This clown of the week segment, there's a couple of clowns here. There, there's a little clown circus going on. First off, Jermichael Finley, who <laughs> I don't know, screams for attention like a 14-year-old on social media. He's out again saying, you know, oh, they should give out flags. You know, this isn't, a, you know, sort of alluding to the fact that it's, it should be flag football now. And that's what people are talking about. At the same time of seemingly, you know, being more empathetic towards Devontae's situation. And of course, he gets a reaction. The guy's an absolute tool. And, you know, for the fact that, look how his career ended, you know? It's just so odd. Yeah, so. There's that and there's the Zach Brown comments. So Zach Brown has famously come out now on Twitter. Twitter is kind of the worst thing ever. I mean, when you have the president of the United States coming out with absolute nonsense on Twitter and it starts making the news, you know, that we've really gone down the wrong path as a species. But Zach Brown's came out and said, um, tell tell him not to play them because I'm always headhunting. So kind of admitting that as well as a dick move. And then he comes out and says that you have to stop crying about getting hit because he knows what he signs up for when he starts playing football. But, like, this hit was blindside hit. There's no way that he could have seen it and protected himself. Um, You know, Davis has his hands down by his side, leads with the helmet into the ear, which you said in pre-prod is the, is the worst place and the most dangerous place to get hit. Um, Lays him out, and at least he could walk off the field of his own volition. It wasn't like that Trevathan hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just a, just a sickening play. Because we've seen the opposite from the Carolina Panthers, right? When Julius Peppers went in with the sack on Aaron Rodgers, he went, we could see him go soft on him and then he kind of picks him up off the ground and, and taps him. And, and he said that after the game as well, that, look, we're all out there to, to protect each other effectively and he wasn't going to go and lay the boom on him, especially after an injury, which is a classy move to say it's you know coming from an ex-bear and coming from a competitor who's also fighting for a good place in the playoffs. Uh, Andy, what's happening to the NFL? I mean, this is the week, games week, that's, being even more prevalent for odd rules. I mean, you know, your man falls down, you know, one arse cheek is in, one arse cheek is potentially out. If, you know, they're trying to look for blades of grass uh, between said cheek. Uh, we've had 
balls being bobbled in the end zone and, and taken back. We have balls going out the back of the end zone and being fumbled. And then we have the likes of this, where someone gets to play on in the game, gets penalised for it, but gets to play on. Because the rule is there for the ref to eject these people. But they don't do it because they don't have the balls to do it. Simple as that. And they've come out and said that in the rule book. So they're, they're thinking about bringing out a targeting rule where it will take that out of the hands of the refs who don't have the balls to do it and tell them you have to now eject him. I've seen it uh, before. A Denver Broncos player. Um, I can't remember his name now, but he he, he starts uh, eye-gouging a player. Uh, was it last year or the year before? And it might have even been in the playoffs or it was, uh, it was maybe even... In Talib, was it? Belly chance? That's it, yep. Yeah, yeah Aqib Talib goes and shoves his fingers and eye gouges a player and he's allowed to stay on the field. If that was on a rugby pitch, you'd be cited, uh, sin bin sent off, red carded, and you'd get a really hefty ban. So this guy gets two games after the fact, probably reduced to one. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, for instance, got one game for what he did. Yet you'd have people smoking wacky tobacco in their cars and they get four games or half a season or a whole season or whatever. It, like, is it is the league gone nuts? Yeah, it's gone bonkers, mate. I, I I really don't know what you know. If one cheek's in, one cheek's out. It's a catch. If you bounce it, it's not a catch. If you cross the pylon, but the ball breaks the plane, it's a touchdown. But then you have to complete the catch to the ground. It's all it's all getting a bit cloudy and messy, isn't it? Um, the the two game ban that which will become potentially become a one game ban is also a joke. You could argue that that play in its own entirety cost us the game yeah. because I would I would sort of challenge you to say that if it was Adams in the slot running the slant pattern um, with you know two minutes left in the game not only would he catch the ball and, and potentially not fumble um, but he, he would probably take it a distance uh, and you're looking at a completely different ball game and that's not a slight on Joanna Wallace. I just think it's he's our he's our sort of prime time wide receiver now, isn't he? And I think he's going to be paid as such in in the off season. I just think it's a bit bonkers at the minute. I think it really is. The only thing I disagree with was the um, that it seems to get played out on social media. If you know, in my walk of life, if something goes on on the field, then it stays on the field. So if you've got an issue with one of their players, then it, it's up to one of the Packers to go and take care of that situation. And a bit like it was in Chicago. I was disappointed then. I was disappointed on Sunday because yeah. if someone's hitting my man cheap, uh, late, out of bounds or whatever it is, then, you know, there's rules of the jungle. Uh, and I just think we're a bit soft. It annoys me. <laughs> it really annoys me. I'd like to see our guys standing up for them. You know, a bit like when we saw yeah, Marty Bennett standing up for Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, we know how that sort of played out. But at the time, I just thought, yeah, it's good to see. Finally, someone standing up for one of our players and, you know, making a bit of a stand and so rather than having that argument out on social media and it's not the place to have all those conversations I don't think it should have been done on the field uh, in the coaches room or whatever else it's um, disappointing to me to see that sort of leave the dressing room really yeah and it's disappointing to me to see Jermichael Finley like oh hey guys you know coming out of the woodwork it's like alright Paul you know yeah just put out and and, you know given the circumstances of his um, ending of his NFL career given the circumstances that you know, Thomas Davis has already been involved in Terence Murphy's um, career-ending tackle, sort of back in the day. So he's, you know, he's, the guy's got a track record of you know illegal hits as well. So, you know, it's it's um, it's all there on paper. Yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm, he does a lot in the community. It's not it's not a personal bar, but Thomas Davis, he's potentially a nice guy. But what he did was wrong. What he did was very very wrong and, and can't be justified or you know accounted for in any shape or form. Absolutely not. 
Yeah, so fine, 48 grand, 48 and a half grand um, earlier in the season for a helmet-to-helmet hit on Adam Humphreys, plays for the Bucks, and he's been fined 122 grand for six separate incidents over his 12-year career. So it'll go to show you, you know, and they talk about a dirty player, and when you look at a 12-year career and six incidents, you know, that's averaging one every two years. I don't know if that constitutes dirty, but the fact that you've been signed, you know, what you can buy a house for... Um, is fairly significant. A large portion of that coming earlier in the season. I don't know, Andy, if that makes a dirty player, but uh, it's definitely cynical. And here, and this is what I've seen. And if you want, like, do you rubbish this claim? So people are saying Devontae's due for a big pay packet. He's had three concussions now over the last year. Does that in any way factor into the Packers re-signing Devontae? It it hits his um, marketability. Yeah, I think, and he knows that. I think that's why he was so angry, and that's why he's. He's taking a bit of a blast on social media because I think he understands that if you look at Sam Shields, for example, you know that you know, there's only so many of these hits you can take. Yeah. The, the more and more concussions you get, the more susceptible you are to further concussions. It's a fact. And as we find out more and more about the long-term effects of you know brain injuries, it's become more prevalent in the NFL. So he absolutely understands that it hurts his market value. Yeah. So um, the, the, and that's what I mean about the, the scale of the fine. Again, is it relative to what potentially what damage that's done to Devante Adams? It's not for me. It's not at all. And until they come up with some sort of um, rule that discourages people from making that sort of hit, then the NFL are going to struggle in my eyes. And it may need to be a bit more radical. But you know, that's probably where you need to go with stuff like that for me. Well, the science behind the whole CTE thing is that they've spotted CTE in players that haven't had any diagnosed concussions so they haven't you know it's not to say that they haven't got them but certainly that they haven't been um in the trainer's tent and said yes that's what you have you know you can get these little sort of micro uh, concussions i don't know if that's even a thing but I, I think i've heard that so the fact that he's had uh, these boomers you know you only need one apparently to start that sort of degeneration so it's a worrying time for him for his family you know for his partner for fans his parents like it's just an awful thing to happen it's a cynical thing to happen and you know and the likes of the zach brown thing i think if he ends up injuring anybody and you know what like that's not in isolation either andy is it i mean it's it's pretty indicative if a player is able to come out on social media to say that he actively headhunts players that you know it's not just zach brown who thinks that this is probably endemic across the league and there's no real way you can stamp it out you know and an awful lot of these players get into the game to put these savage hits on players and they like the contact aspect of it all so how you stamp that out, I don't know. But one thing that does worry me, and I want to hear your thoughts on it is, is the Vikings are vying for, you know, home field advantage and, you know, the first seeding and all of the rest, just behind the Eagles and the NFC. They're going to want to trounce us. They're going to want to win this game. You know, Barr is potentially want to go want to lay the boom on Aaron Rodgers again to say, I can do it to you again because I felt that first hit was dirty. I don't know how you felt about it. Is Aaron Rodgers in danger in these last two games? And do the Packers play Aaron Rodgers to begin with? Because we heard all these sort of gingerish comments saying that he wasn't 100%. Do they play him, Andy? Do they take him out of the game? Do they play him for a portion of the game? Or if the Falcons have beaten the Bucks, do they sit him on the bench and say, you're on ice now? Well, I've got on record as saying that uh, A-Rod would have circled this one in his diary and would be looking forward to playing. Um over the last sort of 48 hours, things have changed slightly, haven't they? So, mm. um, number one, Joe Callaghan's been, he's passed 
cleared waivers, hasn't he? So he's been re-signed. Yeah. So that's the first indication that the Green Bay are probably thinking something different. Um, and if number 17's out on Sunday as well, um, I would hazard a guess that that's probably the second part of the puzzle. Um, so I'll probably be leaning towards that uh, A-Rod will be sat on the bench come game time. I don't see why you would put your, you know, franchise quarterback on the field against uh, a Minnesota defence. It's having its way, isn't it? So disappointing because I would like to have seen it. I'd like to have seen it mean something in the game. It would have been quite a spectacle. But certainly with Devontae Adams out, I would expect a, a heavy dose to the run, something we probably should have done on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably a week too late. Uh, and we'll probably give uh, Mr Hunley a bit more time to enhance his trade value. Yeah, or devalue himself, but hopefully enhance. Because um, that's the thing as well. I mean, well, yeah. an important yeah. thing about all this, Andy, is, is that his go-to guy is now concussed. So it'll be interesting to see yeah, yeah. what type of purchase he can make. But and That's the big thing for me, isn't it? That's the big thing for me. And, you know, you watch the, the back end of the Carolina game and you've got Kendrick, Salison and Rogers, you know, running routes. There's not much There's not much speed there. In fact, I think I've got a tortoise upstairs that probably would fit in nicely as a fourth receiver in with that lot, you know. And that's the thing, isn't it, for me, that we talked about creative offense. Richard Rogers has got a role to play. He's a big-bodied, sure-handed tight end who, in the right system, would be a really effective sort of second or third tight end. Lance Kendricks has proved he can be a, an effective second or third string tight end. Jordan Morrison flashed, you know, two years ago that actually used the right way. He's got quite a, he's quite nifty, although he's not a burner. Yeah. But but not they're not used like that. They're not used correctly in the systems that we operate. It's just square pegs in round holes. And so, you know, when you look for separation, whether it's Brett Hundley or Rogers under 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 centre, it's difficult, very, very difficult, which is why, you know, Avod takes so much punishment because he's it's just a case of waiting for things to develop as opposed to quick hitters. Yeah, and Richard Rogers last night, so caught all four of his passes for seventy seven yards and a touchdown. And for what it's worth when we went over to Green Bay, we got down onto the sidelines and a few of us got to walk around and spy the players and all the rest. And the yeah. the guy who was more physically impressive to me than anybody, there was two really. One was Martellus Bennett because the guy was just absolutely huge. And that's huge. why it shocked me that he didn't get more purchase earlier in the season. Um, But, you know, we all know how that went. But Richard Rogers was the other one. The guy is an absolute beast like oh close he doesn't yeah he's he's got that kind of um kyle rudolph body that just he's just a big dude and his legs were massive yeah. and when they were doing the sort of blocking drills he was up against marty b he looked like he could take him you know he was he was a big lad and but look even the comms said it didn't they they said you know when you see lance kendrick's out there catching passes uh you know that they're really going to you know they didn't sort of say you know bottom of the barrel so because lance kendrick's is a fantastic player he was only actually outdone uh, when he was with the Rams by Jared Cook, and we all see how successful he was. Lance Kendricks is a fine player, um, but you know when they're going to him, it shows that they've kind of run out of options. But you know the the road to the playoffs isn't fully over as of the recording. But they need Atlanta to lose all of their games, so that's against Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and Carolina. They need the Seahawks to lose one of the remaining two, and that's against Arizona and Dallas. And then they need the Cowboys to lose one of their last two. And they have to play Oakland, Seattle and um, Philadelphia. So, you know, it's it's not likely that the Falcons lose out. You know, they play the Bucks. They're playing a, a very good Saints team and a very good Carolina team. On the off chance that they do lose to Tampa Bay tonight, 
it does blow it open again. And I think we maybe see Aaron Rodgers come out. But to be honest with you, Andy, I think if they play A-Rod against the Vikings and he's on all cylinders, I still am not convinced that we're going to beat this Vikings team. A team that went eight wins in a row. You know, they're only scuppered against the Panthers because, you know, they're fantastic on third down. And Jonathan Stewart, who was pretty anonymous last night, had the first three touchdown game of his career. So everything came together for the Panthers in that game. But the Vikings look legit. So, I mean, even if Aaron Rodgers is out there against the Vikes, like how much of a percentage chance would you give us to actually win that game? I think it's irrelevant, Steve, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a meaningless game, isn't it? We've got more to lose than we have to gain from it now, particularly with 12's health. Um, I'm more interested now really about the, what's what's to come. The, the game is has lost its edge. I think Atlanta will dismantle Tampa Bay tonight. It means more to them than it does to them, doesn't it? Um I don't know. The weather forecast might play into it as well. I think if it's in any way, shape or form a sort of hard surface, then I think that'll diminish the chances of, of A-Rod playing as well. Yeah. Just, just too much risk involved, isn't there? So I think all those factors you know, will be figured into the decision. Um, and you've got to think that number 12 himself will be lobbying to play because he's competitive, isn't he? Mm. So it will it'll be an interesting um, battle of wills to a degree, I would think, as well. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the Packers just playing him in the first drive or, you know, first couple of drives and then just benching him. I think if our defence are showing that they're crumbling, there's no point in putting him out there and having him scramble around and, and all the rest. And I don't think he'd yeah. want that either. I think it was a good indicator of the interceptions that were had in that last game to sort of say, look, you quite clearly aren't 100%, so let's not expose you to it. But look, bit of a bummer. The season is pretty much over. That will be confirmed. So in our next podcast, the preview podcast, it's going to be quite different. We're probably going to have to have a mariachi band, um, I don't know, tell some jokes <laughs> to, to try liven it up. It's weird. We're kind of in wind-down mode, which you've never had before. It's always like we go into the playoffs and I remember saying to Ryan, like, you know, any day now that the Packers could just be turfed out and then we're just, you know, because everything starts to wind down in UK Packers HQ then, you know, I think the fans, we see the interaction drop and everyone kind of disperses and wants to f- forget about it. The podcasts go down to one a week and they they change, they get a different format. And of course, we give ourselves a little holiday as well after the season is, is over. And that seems to be that it's, you know, it's going to be coming sooner rather than later. But I'd just like to say a big thank you to yourself, Andy, for, for coming on the podcast. It's been great. We've got some great fan reaction to you as well. You are our draft guru. So... You know, we'll keep this train moving and uh, we'll eventually reach the draft, which is something that you're going to excel at as well as the fantastic coverage that you've given a fan since the 80s. Um, so our next big meetup is going to be the Super Bowl meetup. We know the Packers aren't going to be there now, um, but we're going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, our heads abroad fan club, um, and they actually are, you know, are in with a bit of a chance. So that might be a kind of a nice atmosphere if they go- do get through. So... Thanks for listening to the podcast all this time. Uh, if you like it, share it with your mates and keep along with us for the ride. It's been interesting, to say the least, this season. But that's all for now. And we'll come with the Vikings preview podcast, as usual, on a Thursday night going into Friday for your earballs. But from myself, at NFL on Twitter, follow the group, at UK Packers. Make sure you follow our Instagram. There's loads of debate going on there at the moment. Just search at UK Packers on that as well. And from me old buddy, me old pal, at Pooley Shrew on Twitter. Give him a follow. It's Andy Davies. It's goodbye to the Vikes preview. See you later, Steve.